The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Your host is Ellen Etoff, the soulful sex coach. Our program will take you beyond the sex you've been experiencing and open up a whole new world of intimacy. You've got a lot to learn today, so let's get started. Here is Ellen Etoff. Are you ready for an ecstatic love life? I am. Today's show is called Expanding Spirituality Through Sex and Intimacy. Today we're going to discover how singles and couples can integrate awakening consciousness into intimate relationship and sexuality with my guest, internationally recognized awakening coach, Arjuna Arda. Now, some of the questions we're going to explore include, like, how do we step out of the chaotic and often painful drama of personality and shift our relating from agendas of protecting ourselves and getting what we want to dedicating ourselves to meet in depth with another being? And with ourselves. And how can we serve love itself and through conscious practice serve all beings? And how do we bring this into our sexual connection with our partner? Now, before I introduce Arjuna, I'd like to mention a couple things. First, if you're listening to the live show and would like to ask a question or offer a comment, I invite you to do so in two different ways. One is to call on the telephone, which is um, to call 866-472-5795. Again, 866-472-5795. Or you can send me an email at radio show at ecstatica.com and I'll check this during the show. Again, that's radio show, one word, at E X like exciting, T as in Tom, A T I C A dot com. And just so you know, this email address is only used for the live shows. Also, the replays of this show and all the Ecstatica radio shows are available streaming online or as an MP3 download uh, to take with you. And that's all at ecstatica.com slash show. And the downloadable transcripts of the shows are also available at ecstatica.com slash show. That's S-H-O-W. And I have a gift for my listeners. It's my hour-long audio and ebook called Beyond Orgasm, How to Have a More Deeply Connected Sexual Experience. And you can find that on ecstatica.com on the homepage. And... um, Well, I'll tell you the other thing as we get closer to the break. So, right now, I'd like to skip right to introducing my guest, which I'm so delighted to have here today, Arjuna Arda. Welcome, Arjuna. Thank you so much, Ellen. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, let me tell people a little more about you. Arjuna Arda is an awakening coach, writer, and public speaker. He has trained more than 1,300 people to become facilitators of awakening. He's the author of eight books, including the 2005 
number one national bestseller, The Translucent Revolution, featured in O Magazine. His new book, Better Than Sex, is the complete introduction to awakening coaching, and it's better than sex. Anyway, he's been a speaker at conferences all over the world, including a recent talk at the United Nations. And since age of 14, he's had a passionate interest in spiritual awakening. And he began to practice meditation and yoga at that time. In his late teens, he trained as a meditation teacher. After graduating from Cambridge University with a master's in literature, Arda devoted himself completely to the call he felt inside and studied and lived with a number of great spiritual teachers, both in Asia and the United States. He lives with his wife, Shemeli, if I get that right. Is it Shemeli? Arda, in the Sierra Nevada Mountains in California. And in fact, I first met Arjuna and Shemeli when we were all speaking at the International Conference on Sacred Sexuality in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I think that was around 2008. And Arjuna and his wife, Shemeli, conducted a wonderful program together called Real Love, which is also the title of the book they, I think, since then wrote together. And I have to say that together they're a very powerful presence, both individually as well as together. And um, Shemeli is an actress and psychotherapist from Norway, and I'd hope to have them both on this show, but she was heading for India, and I know that Arjuna is heading across the ocean as well, so I was lucky to catch one of them. So, again, I'm just really delighted to have you here today. Hmm. So, let's begin with kind of getting us all on the same page. To start off, can you speak to how you see the role of relationship in our evolution of our spirituality? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I would, I mean, yeah, let's let's start off by understanding what is spirituality. (laughs) Okay, let's let's back it up a notch here. Um, So, I would say that we all of us have the capacity to have deep, uh, reliable recognition of our true nature, which is limitless consciousness. And I don't mean to understand it intellectually, have nice thoughts about it. I mean to have a direct, doubt-free recognition of your own nature as infinite. Just as when you look into the sky, uh, you, if you look up into the sky, what you see is infinite. It doesn't have any boundaries. So there is the possibility to look into yourself deeper than thoughts and feelings and to recognize the infinite nature of consciousness, which in one way is infinite consciousness and infinite space. In another way, it's silence and peace. And in another way, it's love. Those are all, they sound like different words, but they're actually just different flavors we discover of the same awakening. Now, for most people, Ellen, I would say today, most people have these kind of awakenings in snapshots, particularly the kind of people listening to this show who are for sure conscious people, you know. So whoever's on the line now, I'm sure you you, you know what I'm talking about because it's become quite familiar to most people, this kind of moment of awakening. Mm -hmm. The challenge for most of us and what we address with awakening coaching is partly having these kind of clear moments of awakening, but what's actually more important is that it can be lived in day-to-day life so that the, 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 when you experience yourself as infinite and free, uh, there's no fear, there's trust. 
there is a feeling of, of, of unconditional love and well-being, well, the question is how much is that sustained in relationship? How much of it is, it is sustained in sexuality, in parenting, in work, in dealing with money? If there's a big polarity or contrast between the moments of awakening and the rest of your life, then it means that spirituality has been compartmentalized into a small area. If your awakening is really connected with every aspect of your life, then you could say we could call that living awakening. It's become a living reality. So I would say the role of relationship, you asked, the role of a, a relationship in, a, in spiritual life is that it becomes an opportunity to love. You know, it's, a, it's an opportunity to fully express and exercise your true nature as love, which is quite the contrary of how relationship is often experienced. If, you, if you're not connected with your true nature as infinite, then relationship becomes a way to get my needs met, you know, which is actually the opposite. It's a way to get something from somebody else, and it becomes a sort of negotiation. If you will take care of my needs, I'll take care of yours. But when, our, when the attention has opened to this infinite dimension of freedom in a real way, not just in a, in a theoretical way, but in a real way, then you know yourself to be love and relationship becomes an opportunity to give and express that love in real life. Wow, that's beautifully put. And I, you know, we have a real limitation in our language, in the English language, because the word love is used for so many things like how you love a pair of shoes to the love you're talking about to a little more personality-based narrow definition of loving another person, which has a lot to do with what we want to get for ourselves. So I know that there are other languages where there are different words for different for these different things that I'm describing. But um, given that, and given that you're describing the uh, true love, the ultimate love, in my opinion, anyway, mm-hmm. um, how do we distinguish, you know, as, as human beings, we still, um, you know, as you talked about snapshots. We experience awakening and snapshots, and hopefully we get more and more of those so that the, the time between them gets smaller and we live more of, time in that awakening state but in the meantime we often get sort of sucked into that drama of personality into the the chaos of everyday life and hmm. well actually i'm going to going to offer a slightly different perspective on that if i may please do uh, because what you've said is actually absolutely a very accurate description of how this is commonly viewed it's that what you've just said is like the you know, it's the, it's, the, it's the shared understanding that we have. Yeah, these, I'm trying to relate to what listeners might be wondering in their minds. Yeah, exactly. So we tend to assume that we have these snapshots of awakening, and, and, and then between the snapshots of awakening, we get caught up in struggles and da-da-da. And if we just had more snapshots of awakening, the, the snapshots would get closer together and we would get less <laughs> caught up in struggle. Actually, I want to challenge that a little bit. I'm not sure if it's true. What I've noticed, and the reason I've noticed this is I've noticed, you know, I've wor- I work with a lot of people. I coach people all over the world. And often I work with people who have very, very strong background in spiritual practice. So they've been meditating, 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 doing meditation retreats, you know, you would think they've done everything they can to increase the frequency of the snapshots. But 
they, it does not actually impact very much the reduction of struggle in day-to-day life. What's actually needed, you see, this is the, the problem that we're addressing here, is it's possible for moments of awakening or spiritual highs, and this could happen equally with sex, actually. It's possible for any kind of transcendent moment to become a kind of escapism, a way of escaping from the challenges of life. What's necessary, I would say, Ellen, is to have these moments of awakening, but for those then to become the foundation to really become more aware of how we are, of the habits that govern our day-to-day life, so the habits can realign themselves to be in tune with love. I'll give you a really simple example, okay? From relationship, you asked about relationship. Well, maybe you can go away on retreat and have a wonderful meditation and really get connected with yourself and you feel divine love for everybody, but but your partner is still at home and then you come home after your retreat feeling really spiritual and really connected and your partner is upset because you left some dishes in the sink before you went away and your partner starts saying, you know, you left all the dishes and suddenly where's all that divine love gone? You know, you're, boom, you're back in the reactivity. Well, we have habits, you see. We have deeply ingrained habits that come not only from this life, they're habits inherited from our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, habits that are all in attunement, in alignment with separation. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. we need to do is in, in between these snapshots of awakening is actually to find ways to realign our habits, not only in relationship, also in business, also in parenting, also in creativity, so that your whole life becomes a conscious exercise, a conscious embodiment, and a conscious expression of what you discover in those snapshots. And that's what awakening coaching is about. Awakening coaching is not simply about having more and more moments of awakening. It's about what happens in your day-to-day life. So... How do you bring these deeply ingrained habits into alignment? Um, mm. You know, the, the deeply ingrained habits that have us in alignment with separation, how do we bring them into alignment with oneness or wholeness? Right. Well, you know, relationship, an intimate relationship. I'm not quite sure the orientation of your show, you know, but, um, I mean, my wife and I, we, we practice intimate relationship in the context of monogamy. So we... You know, we are quite fiercely monogamous. I mean, in the sense that we are not only sexually monogamous, but we don't, you know, we don't flirt or run energy with other people. We, we, we contain the right. intimate relationship in a, in a one-on-one thing. We've been doing that for like 12 years. So we, we regard our relationship as a spiritual practice just as much as you might think of yoga or um, meditating or uh, chanting or anything else as a spiritual practice, we regard our marriage is basically an opportunity to practice. If you use the Zen uh, analogy, it's like our, our, our marriage is a dojo. It's a place you go to practice. Mm-hmm. And we've been practicing together for 12 years. And during that time, our marriage has, we have been both completely transformed, completely reborn through the marriage because it's an opportunity constantly to experience habits that have an allegiance to separation and to, well, there are many ways to to play with this. I mean, it's a whole 
sort of, it's a whole science we've developed, but there are many ways to play with it, mostly with humor. You know, we don't want to get too serious about these things. <laughs> through the practice of humor, very often, it's possible to cause the habits which are aligned with separation to dissolve so that the habits that um, are more aligned with your true nature have an opportunity to breathe. A simple example would be um, criticism, right? Criticizing somebody Mm -hmm. is generally fueled by unmet pain, right? There are things that we don't want to feel in ourselves, there's irritation, so we get critical. Well, there are ways that you can work with that, sometimes humorously, sometimes lots of ways you can work with it, and then we can also practice appreciation. I mean, that's, a, that's actually a muscle that we had to develop because we realized I was brought up in England. My wife was brought up in Norway. We had not brought, been raised in families that saw the regular practice of appreciation as something important. You know, it just yeah, but it's so critical. It's so critical to yeah, relationship. Yeah. It wasn't something people did a lot. So we make sure that every day we tell each other dozens of times how, what we appreciate about each other, you know. And lo and behold, I can tell my wife, you know, I, you're, you are so beautiful. I love your eyes. You're, you, 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 just, you, you just have a, such a beautiful presence. I could tell her that several times a day for 12 years. She wouldn't get tired of hearing it. So <laughs> there is a, what woman would? There is a great wisdom in appreciation and in focusing more on appreciation than on criticism. But we don't want to make these things glib. It's not just a matter of, you know, okay, I'm going to just think positive thoughts. It's a matter of really understanding deeply and fully the structure of the psyche and how it can be transformed in a way that's real. That's not just putting sugar coating on uh, something else, but, but that's really deeply transforming uh, transforming you from your very core so that you have a different identity in the world. Okay, so it's time for us to take a short break. And when we come back, I'd like you to maybe give us another example of some, another practical way that people might kind of bring this kind of consciousness or awareness um, into their interaction with another person. And we can talk about sex, too, as a practice. Oh, yes, we're going to get to that for sure. So so you're listening to Ecstatica. We're going to take a short break. This is Ellen Etoff with my guest, Arjuna Arda. So stay tuned for more on expanding spirituality through sex and intimacy. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. It's being called the easiest way to have mind-blowing sex. Why? Because it turns average sex into incredible sex without you doing anything different. And today, you can see it for yourself in a free report. Learn how easy it is to stimulate greater sexual passion, enhance libido, and easier multiple orgasms for women. Experience new levels of intimacy as old sexual inhibitions melt away. And it all happens when you simply play a special type of music while you make love. How is it possible that nothing more than just playing music can give you such incredible sexual encounters? Because this music is enhanced with a special technology called auditory pheromones. 
Learn how scientifically proven auditory pheromones unleash a wave of sexual passion, intimacy, and pleasure, and free the body to experience maximum arousal and stimulation. Get your free auditory pheromones report today at musicforbettersex.com. That's musicforbettersex.com. Health is in your hands. What you do and what you don't do sets the course for the path of your life. Listen for wise chats, simple talk, profound wisdom with Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook. Through this series, we'll explore energetic approaches to health and healing that provide practical and personal solutions. Our guests will share ideas and insights that will help us all adopt new behaviors and create lasting internal shifts. Wise Chats can be heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This is Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life. Do you have questions or comments for Ellen Etoff or her guests? Call in live at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to radioshow at ecstatica.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Ellen Etoff on Ecstatica with awakening coach Arjuna Arda, author of eight books, including the 2005 number one national bestseller, The Translucent Revolution. Uh, Before we get back to that, excuse me, um, as many of my listeners know, I work with various energetic technologies. And one of these I produced with a team, and it's special music for lovemaking infused with auditory pheromones. And these consist of 74 layers of resonant frequencies. Customers who play this music in the background while they're making love report and incredible things that I never expected to come out of this, but they do repeatedly. These include enhanced libido and arousal rates, deeper intimacy with themselves and with their partner, easier orgasms and often multiple orgasms for women for the first time, uh, release of cultural or religious inhibitions which lead to greater spontaneity during lovemaking, easier communication about sexual needs and desires, and and a sense of spiritual union. So if you want to learn more about that music with auditory pheromones, go to musicforbettersex.com. So... During the break, Arjuna and I were discussing, you know, how we'd like to um, relay the other things that I'd like to cover during the show. And before we get specifically to sexuality, um, I wanted to ask him about something that I saw on one of his websites. He had a great little video uh, excerpt from a workshop he was giving, I believe, in Germany because it was being translated sort of simultaneously. And it was about the architecture of a woman's heart. And I found it very fascinating and interesting and and true. So, Arjuna, would you be willing to share that with us? Sure. It's a little story, Ellen, that... um Many, many years ago, I don't remember how many now, 20 years perhaps, I was in Bali and uh, I was staying in a guest house. I was alone and there were some people there asking me if I'd like to join them and going up to the top of the volcano in a jeep. 
So I said, okay, sounds great. And uh, we went up to, up to the top of the volcano. We went to a temple that, the, that is not usually visited by tourists. And the way the temple was constructed, there was an outer wall. And when you stepped through the outer wall, there was a, just a short space. And then there was another wall. And then you went through another gate that was a little bit to the side. And then there was another wall. So it was concentric walls inside each other. At the very center of the temple was the... Uh, the, um, the altar was the, 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 the centerpiece. Now, to go through the outer gate, anybody, anybody was allowed to step through the outer gate into the next area. To go through the next uh, gate, you had to um, wear a scarf and cover your shoulders to be kind of proper. Through the next gate, you had to be a, Muslim, uh, a Buddhist. Through the next gate, you had to be something else. And so it went, I'm sorry, not a Buddhist, a Hindu. And so he went on, and finally, to get to the middle, to the temple, to, the, to the, the very center altar, which was just a tiny building, like, you know, five foot by five foot with a, with a statue in it, you had to be a high priest who had devoted your entire life to the devotion of this deity, which happened to be a feminine deity, right? And um, I remember just at some point, somebody was asked, a man was asking me about loving a woman, and I remembered this temple, and I said, you know, in many ways, a woman's heart is like that. Um, and this is hard for men to understand, that you don't necessarily get to see the innermost, the innermost sacred altar right away. When, when a man first meets a woman, what he sees first is her beautiful breasts and her beautiful curves and he feels attraction but he's just seeing the outer wall and it looks beautiful but still it's just the outermost wall he's seeing her skin basically and if he if he behaves himself if he doesn't wolf whistle and so on if he actually behaves himself a little bit he gets to go to the to the second gate which is flirting where she will twinkle her eyes a little bit at him and 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 uh, she'll interact with him and some men, you know, will, um, will think, okay, that's as far as it goes. And that's a man who's perpetually dating. You know, he, he, he kind of stays with flirting. If you go to the next gate, she'll, she'll actually get to know you a little better. She'll tell you some things about herself. She'll, she'll show you what's under the makeup. And if you go a little deeper she will actually become loyal to you and then you can call her your girlfriend and now she's there with you um, through ups and downs. And if you go a little deeper, she will actually share with you some of her, her fears and her insecurities and the things she likes to keep hidden. If you go a little deeper, something more. Well, when you get to about the second or third gate from the middle, you enter into the realm of archetypes where... Now, the woman, and this, honestly, this doesn't even happen ever for some relationships. You could be married to somebody for 50 years, and what I'm about to describe might never happen. It's not guaranteed. But if you go deep enough with your devotion, with your paying attention, this is also why I advocate monogamy, because you need to stay with one woman in a focused way to go through all these layers. <coughs> yes. If you go deep enough you get to the realm of archetypes where you start to see the, the witch and the high priestess and the, lost, the little girl, but also the old, the old wise woman. You get to see all of these archetypes, not exactly as the woman, but through the woman. She becomes a portal into archetypes. And finally, if a man 
pays enough attention, if he takes a devotional enough attitude. Now, remember, when I talk about devotional worship, I'm not saying you should worship a human being. That would be a stupid thing to do because human beings are unreliable and betray you and all kinds of things. I'm talking about bringing a disposition of worship to recognize that the container, the the crucible of the human being contains within itself a divine spark, a divine element, you see? So on the surface, it's, a, it's your wife. Oh, that's my wife, Jean, you know? But go deep, it, go deep it with, penetrating with your awareness, and what is actually contained within Jean, revealed within Jean, is somehow divine. You know, it's, it's the divine feminine. Yeah? Yes, thank you so much for sharing that. And the reason I wanted to get to that, and I think it's a really great sort of image to hold in one's mind. And I, I, it'd be interesting to know if you think this is true in the opposite direction for men. Um, well, of course, yeah. But what I want, yeah. But what I wanted to, um, the reason I wanted to bring that up is because, first of all, personally, I believe that in those inner realms that you speak to is where the most um, truly ecstatic, heart-opening awakening lovemaking can take place most blissful physically emotionally spiritually lovemaking can take place and yeah. yet it's a great um construct to talk about the different levels of relationship and to what degree or how can we i guess my question is how can we bring awakening or awakening um presence and perspective into a relationship at all those levels so that somebody who's single listening to this mm. can can bring what you're talking about into an interaction with a relatively with a new person or somebody in a new relationship where somebody who's already been married for decades and hasn't quite broken through to those inner realms yeah okay good very good so first of all let me say um love sex basically sex can happen at any of those levels i described okay so i said you know the first layer was a man seeing a woman's breasts and feeling aroused. Well, sex can happen at that, just at that level. It's, you know, a man looking at pornography and, 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 and masturbating uh, is a man just seeing breasts and, and, and having sex, and that's all, that's all it is. You know, sex can happen on a first date, you know, where you hardly know the person's name yet, but you have a little flirting. Sex can also happen which it, where, where it is uh, the absolute silent essence where the divine feminine is revealed to the divine masculine personally i'm you know this is really a matter of opinion personally i think that's more likely to happen in a real way in a long-term sustained monogamous relationship i I, true but it can happen on occasion um on a very new relationship or it's even true. on a one-night stand. I think that's stand. more likely to be a kind of, you know, a skipping over that happens, through, that happens when we fall in love. But anyway, that's, a, that's, sure. a, that's really a gray area. You know, it, who knows? Okay. <laughs> who knows? I, I certainly have found that, you know, for me, um, there is more and more mystery revealed when I just pay attention to my one woman, you know? Of course. Um, but so you were about single people. We actually... You know, all of this is uh, very, very well worked out. I mean, we've got a very thorough uh, coaching system for all of this. And for single people, we've developed uh, a way not just of attracting, you know, your mate, but of actually 
preparing yourself to meet a new partner at this depth. And that requires some preparation on the part of the person who's, you know, who's longing, because otherwise you just, you can attract, it's not that difficult to attract just somebody, but to attract somebody from that depth in yourself requires preparation. And one of the things, there, there are many aspects to this. We recommend, you know, writing letters, writing letters to your beloved, um, even though you've not yet met them. And um, there are many aspects to it, but one of the things we advocate is to develop a disposition of worship. So if you're a woman, to develop a disposition of worship to the divine masculine. So that means you would actually make an altar in the corner of your room and you might put on it, you know, I mean, for a woman, she might put a Shiva Lingam, which is a, um, something from India that looks a little bit like a, an erect penis. It's a kind of a stone, you know. Or she mm-hmm. might put a statue of Michelangelo's David. Or, you don't want to put the pictures of real people, but you can put um, symbols of, when we say divine masculine, it means like the pure masculine energy. Masculine energy not contaminated by personality or by kind of egoic um, limitation. So, mm-hmm. so you, um, you would create an altar with these kind of symbols on it, and then the art of it is to practice uh, feeling devotion and worship. And so to, to, call upon, to call upon the beloved, not quite sure if you're calling upon God or calling upon your next boyfriend. You know, it's, so it's actually... If you've ever read Rumi, Rumi's poetry is full of this kind of calling out. Rumi had a relationship with Hafiz, who was both his, so it's very ambiguous. Is Hafiz actually a person that Rumi knew as a teacher, or is Hafiz God? You know, it's, it's, it's ambiguous. And that's really the kind of ambiguity that we play in, where you're calling upon the divine, whichever, whatever you want to understand that as, to come into your life, but you're also calling upon the divine to come into your life as a partner. Now, here's the amazing thing. Okay, this is, this is just a, to cap it off. Ellen, people, I've noticed in coaching people, people are very afraid and cautious and resistant to, um, to doing this because they feel, well, I don't want to just worship a human being because they feel that worshiping or adoring a human being is kind of subjugating themselves. Right? Yes, yes. So I don't want to put myself lower than. Now, in traditional terms, you know, when you, when you put, you know, a, a statue on a, on a pedestal, yes, then in traditional terms, in the, in the way we were taught to grow up with God, you know, many of us, we were raised on the idea of God. Yes, there was subjugation and hierarchy in that relationship. But when you are willing to bring that same quality of worship, it's the same attitude of worship. Instead of bringing it to God in the sky or to, you know, whatever, or to a guru or something, if you're willing to bring that same disposition of worship to your partner, it can be reciprocated. And then it's not, an, it's not subjugating because I'm worshipping Shamali. I'm bowing to her as supremely, divinely beautiful. And she's bowing to me as a, the... The, the, uh, she's going to the essence of me as the awake masculine. So it's, we're seeing through the layers of personality into the essence and acknowledging it to each other. I would much rather worship my wife than worship a guru or an avatar or a messiah or something like that. I feel it's much more reliable 
to worship the person I'm married to than somebody who I've got all kinds of projections and fantasies about. It's just a matter of taste, but it certainly works for us. <laughs> and it certainly worked very well for the people we've recommended it to. We've coached a lot of couples, and you don't have to do it all day long. That would be kind of weird. But just five minutes a day to bow to your partner and say, I know you've got your limitations, I know you've got your story, I know you've got your personality, but I also bow to and recognize the divine essence in you. For me, that has worked out brilliantly. That's, that's really lovely. And, you know, when you talk about um, the concerns people sometimes have about the idea of worship and subjugation, I think that's somewhat analogous to people's concerns about surrender. They think that surrender during lovemaking or surrender in a relationship means surrendering to another person when right. I think it can mean surrendering to the experience, surrendering to what is happening, surrendering to the, the energy um, of the of the time and what you're sharing yes you know i think what you've pointed to is you know what you've alluded to is um the fact that it's it, this is not um immediately easy to do it, it requires it requires correcting and becoming aware of many habits that we've inherited from our families and for that reason that's why we offer coaching because not everybody wants this. You know, for some people, what I'm saying may sound completely off the wall and weird, you know. <laughs> but for those people who like it and want it, which may be 0.001% of the population, for those people who like the idea of what I'm talking about, then it's quite a good idea to get coached. I mean, Shamily and I, we've been mentored many times by people, and now we're pretty good at mentoring people ourselves. And that's really intelligent. You know, if you, want, if you want to really embark upon a completely different kind of relationship, which is hovering somewhere between the personal and the divine, and you don't want to, you know, just make it woo-woo, new age, wishy-washy thing where you're pretending your partner is God and, you know, they're not. If you want to really make it real where you can deal with the personality stuff in a sober way, but also have some space for seeing the brilliance that shines through the personality, then it's a good idea to get some support and coaching because in, you know, in eight or 10 weeks, you can really get some good practices stabilized that will really work. Yes. Okay. So um, we've talked quite a bit about, you know, relationship itself and, and monogamous relationships. So we're going to take our last short break and we come back we're going to get right into a little more specifics about an awakening or expanding our awakening perspective I don't know how you want to say it but relative to sexuality specifically great so this is Ellen Etoff on Ecstatica with Arjuna Arda we'll be right back is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. It's being called the easiest way to have mind-blowing sex. Why? Because it turns average sex into incredible sex without you doing anything different. And today, you can see it for yourself in a free report. Learn how easy it is to stimulate greater sexual passion, enhance libido, and easier multiple orgasms for women. Experience new levels of intimacy as old sexual inhibitions melt away. And it all happens when you simply play a special type of music while you make love. 
How is it possible that nothing more than just playing music can give you such incredible sexual encounters? Because this music is enhanced with a special technology called auditory pheromones. Learn how scientifically proven auditory pheromones unleash a wave of sexual passion, intimacy, and pleasure, and free the body to experience maximum arousal and stimulation. Get your free auditory pheromones report today at musicforbettersex.com. That's musicforbettersex.com. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. is ecstatica the way to an erotic ecstatic love life do you have questions or comments for ellen etoff or her guests call in live at 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or send an email to radio show at ecstatica.com now back to the program Welcome back. This is Ellen Etoff on Ecstatica, discussing expanding spirituality through sex and intimacy with Arjuna Arda. <laughs> on the break, I started asking him a question, and we got rolling, and uh, he didn't realize it was too far. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to have to back up and go over that great stuff <laughs> That's funny. again. So basically what I was asking is, so now how do we bring this um, this awakening perspective or this desire to expand our awakening perspective into our sexual relationships, whether they're newer ones or ones with someone we've been with for many decades and want to go deeper. Yeah. So awakening, what, what I mean by the word awakening is to have recognition of your true nature as limitless, which means that you realize who you really are is silence, is infinite consciousness. It has no boundaries and it's not separate from anything else. Now, if I have deep recognition of that as my true nature and then I connect with you and I look into your eyes and you look into my eyes there is also the recognition that you are the same you are also this infinite consciousness this same love this same presence and so there's really not two of us here it's uh, it's like two waves looking at each other and they can see the frothy kind of, you know, movement of the wave. But the two waves can also recognize we are both ocean. It's the same ocean that is giving us life. That's actually a pretty good and accurate analogy, I would say. Oh, yes. Okay, so when we have the, so the opposite of awakening would be feeling very separate, would be feeling very much caught up in me and, and my needs and my brilliance and my story. So that would be the, the kind of polar opposite of awakening would be uh, a focus on me as separate. When we have sex, 
from a feeling of being very separate, it's really fueled by my needs, okay? I will, if you fulfill my needs, I'll fulfill your needs. And then we can enter into a negotiation. You know, if you lick me here, I'll rub you there. You know, if you breathe like this, I'll do this. You know, we can, it's almost like a, you know, it's a deal, right? I mean, I'll, I'll right. give you an orgasm in the way you want it if you'll give me one in the way that I want it. And sometimes it seems, sometimes it can appear when two people have sex and they're feeling very separate, it's actually two people masturbating together. You know, yep, absolutely, <laughs> using each other's bodies to masturbate, yes. Exactly. Now, when we... And by the way, that's not a terrible thing. It's just not about awakening. Right, right, right. So when we... Exactly, yeah. So when we have sex from a more expansive part of ourselves, and it's really... I think it's not... I mean, there are two ways to this. One thing is that we can come to sex with a different disposition. The other thing is we can use sex to create a different disposition. So let's talk about both. The way that we can come to sex with a different disposition is that we don't enter... If you want to have this kind of sex, you don't enter into sex as a way to relieve stress. So you're not just going for a, quick, for a quickie, you know, because you, you feel all tense. You're actually preparing yourself. You're, maybe you do some stretching, you, whatever you need to do to come back to yourself. So you meet in sex almost like um, a sacred act. And then um, it's also because, you know, particularly for a man, because he's resting more in himself, there is less of a need to release tension. And because there's less of a need to release tension, there's also less need to ejaculate. He's not so stressed out, so he can actually relax. He can let himself have a hard-on. He can let himself, maybe even after, he doesn't have an urgency to enter the woman. When he does enter the woman, there's no urgency to ejaculate. He might not even want to ejaculate at all. It's more of a kind of a being present together. And the whole thing's transformed, because instead of, Instead of being with you so you can fulfill my needs, the man is giving love to his partner through his penis, right? So his penis becomes like a magic wand, which is transmitting love into her vagina and healing her and nourishing her. She moves that up naturally, moves up to her breasts. A woman's breasts are the transmitters of unconditional love. You see, that they're... they're they're organs full of nerve endings close to the heart, where, yes. where uh, with the heart center. So the, the woman's breasts are transmitting love. The man, when he feels love, this has been neurologically proven tons of times. When a man feels love, he gets more aroused. So he feels loved, he feels nurtured, and this, this actually moves down to his penis and gives him more. So you create a loop. But pretty soon you realize that there's really nobody there. You know, you, 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 as you enter into these kind of states of merging, it's really not about you and me anymore. It's like the, the lovemaking has been devoted to love itself. It's, it's yes. love is using these bodies. And that is ecstatic. To give, it's ecstatic, but I think it's important, you know, that it's not me getting ecstatic anymore. It's like, it's, right. it's the, the me has gone and it's, it's, it's the very, it's, it's consciousness enjoying itself, or it's something beyond the you and the me. There's, you know, Rumi had this poem, there is a field out there where the words, each other no longer makes any sense, I'll meet you there. And this is what lovemaking can be, where I disappear, you disappear, and there's just the lovemaking, and it's really, you maybe you've had that feeling sometimes, you reach out and you touch a, a hand or a, 
or a curve and you just don't know anymore, is it mine or yours? We've, we've become one. That is the possibility of lovemaking. Now also, even if you're not feeling that right away, you can consciously alter your habits of lovemaking to move more in that direction. So one example would be slowing down. You know, it's a very good idea to, um, for a man to, to slip inside the woman and then just to lay and breathe together with less friction. There's no, no problem with having a friction-filled... Um, I, there are probably words I can't say on the radio, but... No, you fr- can, on this show you can talk because it's not on... Okay, there's no problem with having a friction-filled fuck sometimes. You know, that's perfectly yeah. okay. You know, go crazy, get sweaty, you know, go mad. But, and that's, that's also fun, but uh, to kind of explore the animal side. But if you want this kind of melting and merging, it's a good idea for the man to slip inside the woman and then just breathe deeply together, to breathe all the way into the belly. And the purpose of that is that the energy that builds up in the genitals actually spreads. When you, build, when you breathe, it spreads into the pelvis. It spreads up into other organs of the body. So there's less need to ejaculate quickly. Um, for women, you know, women take longer to really get warmed up. So I like to recommend people, you know, set aside 45 minutes to an hour um, of, of just being together in this. And you, you enter into continuously expanded ecstatic plateau states, which are not about peaking and ejaculating anymore. They're just bigger and vaster and vaster plateaus of love and tenderness. Beautifully put. Yeah, this is, a lot of these things are things that I teach in my work, but you've put it all together in a really beautiful way, and I appreciate that. Mm. Um, what do you say for a person, let's say one person in a couple um, recognizes this. They look into their partner's eyes, and they see the oneness, but the other person isn't um, into that awareness or even interested in that. Um, can can that work for at least the person who is opening to awakening or wanting to expand their awakening consciousness with a with a partner who isn't on the same page, so to speak? But they still, if they still love the partner, they still want to stay with them for a variety of reasons. Yeah, um, it's a tricky it's a tricky situation. But I yeah, I, I get just calls from people like that all the time. This today on for, the, for somebody who was asking me on Facebook, I answer questions on Facebook, and um, we have to be careful. You know, when 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 somebody has the sense, oh, I'm really I'm a really spiritual person, and my partner is not so spiritual. Uh, <laughs> it may be saying more about the limitations of the person speaking than the one being spoken about. You know? because, <laughs> Good. Because, you know, uh, when, I think when your eyes are really washed clean and your heart is really open and you're really seeing things the way they are, you don't see anybody as not as different from you. You know, you see sameness. You see oneness. I mean, you see distinction and difference, of course, but you also see oneness. You see, you, you, are, you see beauty everywhere. You see the highest and most beautiful in everything, everywhere. So um, I think we have to be a little careful, you know, because people sometimes say, oh, I'm really spiritual. I've read Eckhart Tolle. I've been to Kabar and Katie workshops. I'm a really spiritual person. And my partner's just like so gross and not spiritual. But you don't know that. They just have a different way of going about it, a different way of expressing it. It may be going fishing or... You know, watching a football game might be a, might be a so-called spiritual experience for your partner. You just, just don't know. So I think really, um, 
I remember with my teacher in India years ago when I was living there, and then I had to go back to the United States, uh, and I had to drop by Japan on the way because it was like a stop-off point. I had like a day in Japan. And, um, and I got off the plane and went into the town that's near where, wherever Tokyo airport is. It's in a little town just, just outside of Tokyo. And everywhere I looked, it was like, it was like I, and I sent him a fax. I said, what's happened? You know, I came to live with you in India, and I, you know, all these things changed in me, and now the whole world has woken up. Everywhere I look, I just see Buddhas everywhere. You know, I just see awake <laughs> consciousness everywhere. And so that's really what happens, you know, when, when you see somebody else as not awake, when you see somebody else as contracted, as wrong, as bad, the, it's time to wash your own eyes. It's not trying to change the other person. You know, trust me, if you see somebody else as other than yourself and other than perfect, uh, there's something wrong with your vision, not something wrong with the person. You know, that's a good rule of thumb. Of course, we can make exceptions to that. We want to, I mean, not exceptions. We can have caveats because we want to be prudent. You don't want to get ripped off by people because you think everybody's divine and they're actually cheating you. But what I mean is you can look into the essence of everybody. You don't have to do business with them or have sex with them, but you look, look, look into the essence of everybody and realize there may be some superficial conditioning on the surface, but who that person really is is me. And what, what that means is who that person is, which is what we both are, is love itself, is freedom itself, is good intention itself, is creativity itself. It may be trapped right now inside a story, and that's not such a, that's not a kind of deal breaker. That's just a little temporary problem. You know, it's going to take a few years. That'll be over. But what I'm seeing is the beloved looking back at me. That does not happen overnight. You know, we can, we can make a new age kind of flu-flu, uh, temporary um, imitation of that. But to really see that through all of the challenges of, that we go through in life, that is, I would say, real spiritual practice. And that is probably the best place to practice that is in intimate relationship and sex. You know, if you want to get started on seeing another being as who they really are, the best place to start is with intimate relationship and making love. Well, you brought it right down to the essence. That's perfect. Um, let me ask you where people can learn more about your work and give to your website, please, and sure. how they can reach you. Sure. Well, there are actually two uh, websites. Uh, my personal website, if you want to connect with me personally, is arjunaarda.com, A-R-J-U-N-A-A-R-D-A-G-H.com. And that's where you'll find, I write, I write articles a lot, so you'll find a lot of Blog, blog articles there and it's also where you can get coached by me and many other things I, the, my kind of reason for being for doing what I do is I train people to be awakening coaches so there is another site we can go and find out about awakening coaching and that is called awakeningcoachingtraining.com awakeningcoachingtraining.com three gerunds awakeningcoachingtraining.com and then you can find out about our coaching training program Excellent. And we will put uh, on the ecstatica.com slash show website, we'll also post the, um, the links to your websites, and that'll also be in the transcripts if anybody wants to download Beautiful. those at ecstatica.com slash show. Thank so, you so much. we'll make sure they can reach you. Um, so, any particular thing you're really excited about that you're working on next? 
Well, I never like to talk about things till they're ready. You know, I'm, I'm writing okay. a book right now with John Gray, um, who's a very good friend. He, he wrote the book Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus 20 of years course. ago. Yes, so he was on the show, actually. Book, yeah. But I think I'll wait to tell you more about it until it's further along. Okay. Well, I just want you to know that this has been a real highlight. I really appreciate your being here and the wisdom that you've shared and the perspective that you've opened up, hopefully, for many people. Um, I know that people who listen to the show have a range of interests, but you've kind of brought the, um, the sexuality and the, um, the awakening together in a, in a nice loop and I really appreciate that and just wish you the best as you 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 help train more people to coach um, many many others into an awakening perspective or as we all awaken on the planet together thank you very much it's been very kind of you to uh, have me here I really really appreciate it great okay well thanks again and um I want to thank you for listening to Ecstatica. This is Ellen Etoff in support of you having an erotic, ecstatic love life. We hope you've learned from and enjoyed the show today. Join us again for another stimulating hour of Ecstatica, the way to an erotic, ecstatic love life with your host, Ellen Etoff, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This week, enjoy the best sex of your life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.